glad that he so before we begin as we do each week we're going to take a moment to look at a verse of scripture for confession a time of just quiet meditation to prepare our hearts ask God to search us and ready us to hear his word today and I am going to read first John chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 today and then we will spend that quiet time for a few moments and then I'll lead us together in prayer first John 1 verse 8 says if we say we have no sin We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord Jesus, we're thankful today that we know each and every one of us still has this battle in the flesh with sin as believers. And perhaps today someone in, in this room or watching online is lost and, and they realize that their struggle uh, is not just with sin, but it's against a holy God uh, who is pursuing them. And so, Lord, we pray today that, uh, that all of us would take our sin seriously, for you certainly did by sending your son to Calvary's cross. But as the second part of that verse says, if we confess that sin, you are certainly faithful and just. And you alone are able to cleanse us from that sin. And so, Lord, today we confess our shortcomings, our sins, our failures before you. And thank you for the grace and thank you for the righteousness given to us in Christ that allows us to stand worthy before you today. Lord, bless this service. Again, we thank you for Caleb and Faith and all the faithful seasons that they've given to us here at this church. And we pray the blessing upon them as they step out in faith in this new journey. And we're thankful for those that have stepped up to to bridge that gap and to to help serve here, Lord, today. So, uh, Lord, just continue to lead and guide us according to your will and purpose. And may everything that we do bring you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy this morning. As I said, this service is a bit bittersweet for me and for our church. Uh, And I know that Caleb wouldn't want me to make it all about him, and I don't plan to. It's certainly all about Jesus. But I want to... uh, I want to, if you will, issue a a final charge, in a sense, to Caleb and Faith as they begin this new journey, and perhaps a charge to us as a church and a charge to you as individual believers today. Uh, And the title of my message is just that, A Charge to Faithfulness. And so I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning, but I am going to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 1, and we'll go down to verse 14. So this is the Apostle Paul near the end of his life. He's in prison. He knows that he has a short time left, that Nero is the emperor, and Nero has been the most fierce persecutor of Christians that the world up until that time had probably ever seen. And so Paul's days are numbered, and he knows that, and he's giving young Timothy uh, some instruction, some encouragement, some warnings along the way, uh, so that when Paul is gone, Timothy can continue the ministry that Paul placed in him through the Holy Spirit years before and so Paul begins this letter by saying Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy my beloved child grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day as I remember your tears I long to see you that I may be filled with joy I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and now mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, 
but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Father, again, we ask your blessing upon the reading of the word and the preaching of it. Pray that your spirit would move among us, that you would convict, that you would draw, that you would edify and encourage, Lord. And we'll give you thanks today for everything that you do, for it is your church, and we give thanks to you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a story once of a, an old elderly pastor who was nearing the end of his ministry, and he'd been receiving a lot of criticism lately that... Uh, his preaching was dry and dull, and they weren't seeing a lot of uh, activity in the church anymore, and attendance was dwindling, and, and it, it started to fall squarely on the shoulders of the old pastor. And so uh, he, he got to church one Sunday morning, and he, he made the walk up the stairs and got behind the pulpit, and he, he shared the Word of God, and, and it, only a few people had showed up that Sunday, and, and he came down out of the pulpit, and he was pretty discouraged. And it says that he, he took a seat in the front row and, and thought everybody had left and uh, was just contemplating if he should just hang it up and, and be done with the ministry. And he heard some rustling in the back and he looked around and there was a, a young man that had stayed seated and was still in, in the church with him. And uh, the story goes like this. It said that no one remained, not one, but a boy whose name was Robert. He watched the trembling old man. His soul was filled with loving sympathy. He went to him and waited for him to speak, and the preacher finally said, Well, Robert, what, what is it that I can help you with? And the young man said, Do you think if I were willing to work hard for an education, I could ever become a preacher? A preacher, the pastor said, perhaps a missionary. There was a long pause. Tears filled the eyes of the old minister. At length, he said, This heals the ache in my heart, Robert. I see the divine hand now. May God bless you, my boy. Yes, I think you will become a preacher. Many years later, there returned to London from Africa as an aged missionary. His name was spoken with reverence. When he went into an assembly, the people rose. When he spoke in public, there was a deep silence. Nobles invited him to their homes. He had brought under the gospel influence the most savage of African chiefs, and he had given the translated Bible to strange tribes. He was this young man that many years ago had met with that pastor. His name was Robert Moffat. God does not promise that fruit will come immediately, but he does promise that his word will not return void. When you are tempted to give up, remember that God blesses faithfulness. I use that story this morning because for myself as a pastor, I've went through those seasons, and it always seems that in those moments, God will provide someone that will lift you up and allow you to invest in them. For me, that person six years ago or so was, was Caleb. I said I wouldn't cry. 
here I go. And uh, <clears throat> over the years, it's been a joy. It's been a joy to, to meet with Caleb many times. I can't say how many times we, we frequented McDonald's and uh, sat in my office and opened up the Bible and just talked, prayed. And I've watched him, I've watched him grow as a believer. I've watched him grow as a, a worship leader. I've watched him grow as a man and now a husband. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And I'm thankful for you. Because as much as I did for you, you did for me. And I appreciate that. And I think that, uh, I think that the Apostle Paul probably had those same emotions when he thought about Timothy. And he wasn't sure if he'd see Timothy again this side of glory. But uh, he was encouraged to know that even if they weren't able to physically be together, that God had prepared him, had prepared him for serving. And I'm thankful today that uh, I know God has prepared you, and he's ready to send you, and I know that uh, the Lord's going to use you in faith to do great things. But I want you to see a few things today, Caleb and Faith and Church. I want you to see these things too from our text. I want you to see that in verse 2, Paul considered Timothy his beloved child. As far as we know, Paul had no physical children of his own. There are varying opinions on if he was ever, in fact, married. I take the position that he wasn't. But that doesn't matter, really, in the big scheme of things. He certainly had spiritual children. And I'm glad to say that, uh, that God has given me spiritual children along the way, or at least those I would consider. Uh, I've had the opportunity to personally invest in church. I want to challenge you that investment into individuals is not just the pastor's job you as believers have the wonderful opportunity to find someone that God puts in your life and invest into them it takes time it takes effort but it's worth it and perhaps one day you'll have a Timothy or a Caleb or a Vincent that you can say God has allowed me to pour into that person and I'm so thankful for that and Paul considered Timothy, his child in the faith, that they had become close because of the common bond that they had in Jesus. He was Paul's son in the faith, if you will. And I think about John the Apostle when he wrote in, in the third letter that he wrote, Third John 1, 4, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. As, as tough as it is today to say goodbye, in a sense, to Caleb and Faith, my heart is full. I have joy to know that uh, you're going out and that you are serving the Lord. And I would much rather see you go in the will of God than to see you go and say, I don't know what happened. They're, they're not walking with the Lord anymore. And as a pastor, I've had those moments. And I'll take this six days a week and twice on Sunday compared to the other. And so it's a joy to see another generation, if you will, loving the Lord and serving the Lord, and I'm thankful for that. In verses 3 through 5 of our text, we can, we can rejoice, as Paul did, in the work that God is doing, but also continue to remember them in our prayers. They will need our prayers. May we never forget those that are not in our presence physically, 
they are still our spiritual brothers and sisters and they need our prayers. Whether that's shut-ins that can't attend here, whether that's Caleb and Faith or others that simply aren't here for different reasons. They need our prayers. And church, that is a job that all of us can do. Even when we get old, even when physically we can't do the things we used to do, God allows us to pray. And sometimes we think prayer is not a big deal, but it's probably the biggest thing we can do. It really is. Don't ever think, well, all I can do is pray. If you can pray, you can move mountains through the Lord. Don't ever forget that. And so he talks about, Paul talks about the fact that before, before Paul ever met young Timothy, there had been other people that had poured into his life. He mentions uh, his grandmother Lewis, Lois and his mother Eunice. And I'm thankful today for, for Loretta and Andy and Austin, a family that loves the Lord, a family that uh, over the years has not just told Caleb about the Lord, but has modeled what faith looks like, who have prayed with him, who have encouraged him. And so what we see today is a foundation that has been built upon by many people, and it started with his family. And I'm thankful for you guys and everything that you have done to prepare him for this day. And I know that faith, you will receive the same love, prayer, and encouragement from them as well as your family does for you. And so what a joy to see the fruit that comes when parents pour into their children. Maybe again, maybe you have a child here today and you did just that and they're wayward. Don't ever give up. Don't ever stop praying for them because you never know when God might knock on their heart's door and call them back, just like the prodigal. So be encouraged today to continue to pour and invest into your children, your grandchildren, those around you whom God gives you an opportunity. Invest in them. And then he starts to make it a little more personal towards Timothy. And I'll do the same for you, Caleb. He says in verses 6 and 7 to fan into flame, if you will, to stir up the gift that is in you. One of the things that, uh, that you'll find in ministry is that it isn't easy. And one of the most difficult things that you will face is not the unkind things that people will say about you at times, not the discouragement of planning events only to see a handful of folks show up and a million other things that may happen along the way. Perhaps the most difficult thing that you will face is just staying encouraged and to continue to use your gift when you don't see immediate fruit. We need to remember that when we plant a garden and we till up the dirt and put the seeds in the ground and throw some water on it, that the next morning when we go out, it's not a full-grown garden. But something is taking place underneath the soil. And you need to remember that. We need to remember that. That ministry is trusting in the Lord. It's looking to Him in faith and in looking to Him in His timetable. And it may take years to see fruit from your labor. But God will bring that fruit. You sow and another waters, but it's God that gives the increase. And always remember that. And continue to stir up that gift. The Holy Spirit within you and the talents and abilities that you have. Continue to use those, whether it's for one or a thousand. Continue to use those gifts. The only time that that verse is, phrase is used is in this verse. There's another time when it's used, and that is in the Old Testament. And we see it in what is called the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And that's in Genesis 45, 27. I thought it was interesting that they used that same Greek phrase 
in that text because here's what that verse says. But when they, his family, told him all the words of Joseph, so they're speaking to Jacob who thinks that their son Joseph, his son Joseph, is dead. And now he's finding out that he's alive and not only is he alive, he's the second most powerful man in the world, basically, in Egypt and that, uh, that he wants to see his family and see his father. So that's the context of this verse. When the family, when they told all the words of Joseph to Jacob, when he said to him, when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, it says the spirit of their father Jacob revived. It was fanned into a flame, just like what Paul says about Timothy. So in those seasons when you're discouraged, Caleb, the Lord will provide opportunities for you to be revived and he will send people into your life to revive you so don't ever let those difficult moments define who you are and I'll give you another piece of advice make no decisions on Monday because oftentimes Sunday is the day where discouragement comes people will approach you after church and say hurtful things and on Monday morning the enemy will have been in your ear all day long and Monday Monday is the day when most pastors resign, believe it or not. And so don't make a decision on Monday. That's why I take Mondays off. I've learned that. That came with wisdom over the years. I didn't, I didn't take any days off for a long time, but I've learned. So remember that, Caleb. Remember to not make a hasty decision because Jacob was revived and God will revive you too. The Bible talks about the fact that, uh, that God is faithful. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says just that, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, remember your call. Remember your purpose. You're not going to this church to please people. You're going to honor God. And if you're faithful to His Word, church, this applies to all of us. If we're faithful to His Word, if we keep trusting Him, you'll make some enemies along the way, you'll make some friends along the way, but more than that, you'll please God. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Remember your call. Remember your purpose. Focus on Him. Fan the flame and don't let anyone blow your light out. And you will have a successful ministry. And faith, I want to say to you this morning, to remember that your call, first and foremost, is what took place last night. You are Caleb's wife. And that is your greatest and most important ministry. And it's sad because many times churches have higher expectations of a pastor's family than they do of him. A lot of times they look at the pastor's wife as the one that ought to play the keyboard, cook the dinners for the church, clean the church, teach all the classes, drive the van, because, hey, she's the pastor's wife, and so if he's in the ministry, so is she. And to some degree that is true, but her ministry is to support her husband. Because faith is a believer herself. And as a believer, God has gifted her with the Holy Spirit, and God has used the Holy Spirit to give her gifts to use. Maybe that's not playing the keyboard. Maybe that's not cooking dinner. But he has a purpose for her. And if she does that, I got some laughs out of that one. What are we, what are we saying about cooking dinner here, Faith? I'm not going there, Caleb. I'm not going there. But nonetheless... You do have a gift, or several, and you'll find your place and your purpose in God's time. So don't ever be pressured. Love Caleb, love the Lord, serve the church in whatever capacity he calls you to, and you will have a successful ministry too. 
The Bible says in Genesis 2.18, The Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper. That is your ministry before anything else. And I can already know that you are ready for that challenge and that you are faithful to that call. And I thank God for that. And Caleb, the same for you. The first ministry is our homes. If you fail at leading your home, you can't lead the church. Another lesson that I struggled with early on, I spent far too much time neglecting my wife and child to try to be everywhere for everybody at all times. And it was through my own failures that I learned that lesson. And so I pray I can spare you some of that. Take vacations, take time off, turn your phone off sometimes, and be with your family. Don't let guilt and shame or anybody else pressure you in neglecting your first ministry. And you'll be successful in your calling to your family. He goes on in verse 7, and he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. All I can say there is be bold, do it in love, but stand on the Word of God uncompromisingly. Rest in His strength. He is able. When you're weak, He is strong. You can trust Him. Abide in His love and try to the best of your ability through the Spirit to love even your enemies, even difficult people. Love is what works. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Paul says without love, everything else we do means nothing. So always remember to do everything in love and walk in the Spirit, as Paul tells Timothy. He also says in verse 9 that it is God who called us and saved us to a holy calling. There's no greater work on earth that we can do than anything that we do for the Lord. It's the highest of callings. It's the holiest of opportunities that we can take on. And so remember that and remember the seriousness of what you get to do. It's a joy to preach. It's a joy to lead worship, but it's an honor too. Not bestowed on everyone. And so if God has called you into the ministry in a worship setting or a preaching setting, never lose that reverence. Never forget the fear of the Lord where His wisdom begins and walk in that truth. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul says this. I, I use the New American Standard translation here, which I don't always use, but this was brought out best, I think, in that. He says in that verse, be diligent or, or literally exert yourself to present yourself approved to God. It's interesting that that word approved in ancient times, they had money changers. You've probably seen that in the Gospels where people would come to the temple to pay their, their yearly offerings and sometimes they'd come from other cities and other lands and so they would have to exchange their currency for the currency of Jerusalem. And a lot of those money changers had developed a scheme where they would, they would shave down some of the gold off the coin so it still looked good but they would shave off enough of that they could make a nice little profit on the side. And the word there approved is to have a coin of proper rate, a proper weight. Don't shave anything off of it. Be honest, be truthful. Present yourself as approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the word of truth. Again, remember the call and stay true to God's call in your life, stay true to His Word and honor Him in everything. And finally, he goes on as we, as we close. He says in verse 12 of our text today, he says these words, and I've encouraged myself with these words many times. 
He says, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know who I have believed, and I am convinced or I am persuaded that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Caleb, it's a joy to start out in ministry. This is new for you in many ways. You're just beginning in church. Maybe God is calling you into something today that you have yet to surrender to, or maybe you're just starting out that journey. And it's like anything else. When we first step out, it's new to us. It's exciting to us. We're full of zeal, if you will, to go. But remember this. As important as it is to start out right, it's finishing the race that matters. It's finishing the race that matters. I've seen a great many people start out the race with all kinds of fire and zeal, and they're not even running anymore. All of us have heard of Billy Graham. We know that not only did he start the race well, but he finished the race well. But a lot of you don't know the name of Gary Templeton, who at the time was more famous than Billy Graham, who was Billy Graham's partner in ministry, and people came to see Mr. Templeton before they came to see Mr. Graham. And over time, Mr. Templeton would get into college, uh, uh, one of the major Ivy League schools. He would hear about evolution and all the theories that were presented to him. And by the, the mid-80s, he was no longer a believer. He had forsaken the faith. And he was interviewed. You can watch the interview on YouTube. And as, as they talked about the faith that he used to proclaim to have, he teared up and, and he said, I'm, it's almost like an old friend. I miss it, but I can no longer believe it. He started what looked well, but he didn't finish. Finish the race. Finish the race. That is what Paul was encouraging Timothy to do. Paul would say, I have run the race. I have kept the faith. Therefore, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He knew that at the end of the day, what mattered was to hear his Lord and Savior say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy prepared for you. May we all consider that, church, that we are pressing on towards the high calling in Christ Jesus and run our races well. Because there is a judgment seat for believers. We often think, well, I'm saved and I'll never have to stand before the Lord and give an account. No, you won't. Not for your salvation. But you'll give an account for everything you did in life or the things you didn't do in life that he called you to do. And that will determine the rewards or lack thereof that you receive at the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. So don't ever forget that, that you will stand before the Lord and give an account. What will you say to him on that day? And more importantly, what will he say to you on that day? And finally, as we close, verses 13 and 14. He says, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. If I can say one final thing to you in person, Caleb, it's all those times that we sat down and studied the Word of God together. We were sowing a seed into your heart. God was working. In it. And now all those things have an opportunity to grow and are continuing to grow. And if I can say anything to you today, it would be to continue to follow the Word of God. Continue to trust Him in all things. And that as it grows, the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, as He says in verse 14, guard that, guard that deposit that's been entrusted to you. God has chosen you for a specific purpose and calling. 
And now he's chosen a specific place for you to exercise that calling. For a season it was freedom. For a season it was Caruso. Now for a season you're moving on north. Perhaps that'll be the last stop. Maybe it's just one of many more. Continue to trust the Lord and walk in faith. Trust his time and his plan. And most of all, guard the truth that you have in you. And church, we can say the same for us. God has called each and every one of you into individual, specific areas. It may not be a pastor or a worship leader. That doesn't mean you're less valuable to the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean you don't have a purpose. If you give a cup of cold water to someone in the Lord's name, it matters. So don't ever forget that. Don't ever think that you are insignificant. But don't ever set aside the gift that you have to take time off and just enjoy retirement. There is no retirement in the Lord's kingdom. We'll work, as the old hymn says, till Jesus comes. And we'll be gathered home. I heard a quote a long time ago. I'm not sure who it was from, but I've always remembered it and try to live by it. And that quote is to preach the truth whether it, fi whether it fills up a room or empties it out. Sometimes you preach messages. Sometimes you are in a text that ruffles feathers. And that's okay. If it's the Lord doing the ruffling, it's okay. If it's the Holy Spirit, you're mad at Him, not me. If you had to argue, take it up with God. I'm just... I'm just the messenger. So stay true to that, Caleb. And that deposit that's in you, guard it with diligence. Don't allow false doctrine. Don't allow pressure to compromise to ever get a hold of you. You still have people in your life. I know that your uncle, the pastor up there, loves you. And he will guide you in the truth. Your family will guide you in the truth. I will always be here to guide you in the truth. This church will always be here to guide you in the truth. When you have those seasons, your wife will encourage you but there's many others that you can lean on. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of those times. And so church, as we wrap up this message this morning, I'll invite the praise team to come. And I just simply want to say this. It's a bittersweet day, but it's a wonderful day in the, in the existence of our church here. Because what we see happening today is really how it's supposed to happen. Too often churches want to build their own little kingdoms and they want to simply keep what they have inside the walls, not just the good news of the gospel, but the people too. Now, I never like to lose anyone that's a member of a church, especially if, if they leave for wrong reasons. I never like to lose anybody, but when they're leaving for the right reasons, and most of all when they're leaving to serve God, church, how can we not rejoice? Because we might have different addresses, but we're on the same team. Amen. And it doesn't matter if he's in the building and faith is in the building or they're across the street or on the other side of the world. We can know that at 11 o'clock when we look at our watch, what's happening here is happening up north. And the word of God is being preached and they are serving and living for the Lord. Amen. And that's a beautiful thing. We, we see the greatest example of missions when God sent his son into the world. He's called the disciples and the apostles to continue that mission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into Samaria and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world, Jerusalem. We're sending two of his believers out into the world tonight, tomorrow morning I should say, to begin this journey. And we should rejoice in that and give thanks to the one that's worthy. So maybe today God's calling you. 
Maybe he's calling you to step up and take a step of faith. Maybe it's not as big as that one, but it's a step of faith. You know that God's calling you to something, and you've been running from it, you've been excusing it. Today is the day to make that decision. And most of all, maybe God's been calling you to salvation, that you realize that you're lost without Jesus Christ, and you've been playing games with him for far too long, and that if you died tonight, you would die lost. And that would be your choice, because he's given you an opportunity yet again this morning to repent of your sins and call on Christ by faith. And that's as simple as coming and saying, Lord, I need you. Forgive me and change me, and I want to follow you the rest of my life. Whatever God is speaking to you about this morning, we're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. The altar is open. I can pray with you. This is your chance.